I know what the episode number of this episode is, finally. <laughs> we totally didn't have to restart the, recording the podcast because I completely goofed and didn't think to look up the episode number. But we've been <laughs> we've been doing some other stuff this morning before we recorded, so... A lot of things on the mind, but hello, hi, welcome to Season Anime Checkup OVA episode number 36. It's a podcast where we have conversations about anime, video games, and manga. I'm Jared, joined as always by the best podcast co-host, podcast co-host. <laughs> I can't say podcast and co-host apparently. That's Anladium. Hello. Uh, we're going to get to our topic here in a little bit. Obviously, if you've seen the title, it's going to be a very interesting discussion this week <laughs> of many things. But uh, we have, like, a very important announcement to make that if you've been following us on social media, you've probably already seen it. Uh, we are now on Patreon. We made yeah. the decision to go there, uh, mostly just because we we want a way to make this podcast viable for us and for, for you guys as well, for the listeners. So, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A, S-A-C-O-V-A, S-A-C-O-V-A. That's our Patreon link. It'll be in the description of this podcast. It'll be on both of our websites on our social media is anywhere, so it'll be pretty easy to find in case you need a link and don't want to like just type in yourself or something like that. So we want to be very transparent about this because this is a this is a pretty big deal for for the two of us. And obviously, the one important thing to to talk about is about this podcast about the seasonal anime checkup OVA. Because we're on Patreon, it means there's going to be zero changes to the way this podcast is operated. Uh, it's still going to go up every Saturday at 12, e 12 p.m. Eastern, like it has for the last 33 weeks in a row or something like that. <laughs> so all that's going to that's all going to stay the same. It's going to be edited, polished, all the same stuff that you've come to to know from us, to how the podcast is operated and put out to you guys. The things that you're going to get if you support us on Patreon is basically like, we will put up the podcast Pretty much immediately after we record it, I'll splice together both uh, audio files and just kind of throw that up there on Patreon. So you'll get an unedited, unfinished version of the podcast early if you want to kind of like learn about what we're talking about this week or just so you know want to listen to it early. So that'll include like it, you're going to you're going to get cussing in it, which obviously <laughs> this podcast doesn't really have because I edit all that stuff out. It's obviously going to be in an unfinished state like we talked about Um so that's going to be like, you know, there's going to probably be some like weird, maybe audio hiccups in there, uh, more lengthy pauses in between discussion points sometimes, because that's just the way, it, the nature of how podcast recording can go if you don't edit them in a reasonable manner. And it's it's like, like I said, it's not going to be completely finished. So if you, if you want that, like that's going to be fine. That'll go up basically Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever we decide to record a podcast, you'll get that up on Patreon. And that's for basically everyone. So if you donate a dollar or donate, uh, you you give a dollar. I was trying to find a, <laughs> a good word for that. Uh, you you get all that stuff. You get the exclusive uh, unedited Patre uh, Patreon feed of the podcast. And you'll also be able to know like what we're doing this week. We'll tell you on Patreon exclusively early. Like, hey, we're doing this this topic this week. Yep. And pretty much I feel like that's like the ground floor of like what the, the dollar reward tier, the minimum dollar amount uh, gets you. Uh, we have another uh, reward tier. It's a $5 reward tier and obviously you can pledge whatever you want. We're not saying, hey, you should pledge this or this, but we have the we have two reward tiers as of this moment. Uh, the $5 one will give you access to basically, hey, we will throw polls every now and then and be like, hey, you know, we're kind of not finding a good way or we don't have a good idea of what to do this week. Uh, we'll throw it out to you guys 
and be like, hey, you know, what do you what do you want to hear from us? What do you want us to talk about this week? And also, you will get exclusive access to our topic list that we've kind of hinted at every now and then, which is our Google Doc of like, hey, this is the ideas we kind of want to talk about eventually. And you can be like, we'll post that up pretty much every month for Patreons. And you can add to that. You can give suggestions. Well, not, maybe not, you're not going to be able to add to it specifically. You're not going to have like access to editing it. We're just going to we're just basically going to be like, we'll put up a post and be like, here's our topic list for this month, and you know it'll change from month to month to month. And basically, you can comment and be like, hey, you should, you guys should do an episode about this subject or this subject, and we'll take those into consideration and add them to the topic list. And also, if we do Q and A's, those will be exclusive to the five dollar tier as well. And then we also have goals. Basically, there's a $10 goal, so you, it'll basically pay for our hosting of the podcast on, on our website, seasonallymacheckup.com. So all of that will be supported by you guys if we reach $10. There is a $30 goal, which will give basically a Patreon-exclusive podcast where we will do an episode-by-episode episode recap. Essentially, each week we'll, we will look at an episode of a, of an, of a Persona series. And basically talk about that, discuss it, give our opinions on it. And we will do that each week if we reach that $30 goal. And that will be exclusive only for Patreon for patrons. And you'll only find that at patreon.com slash SACOBA. I feel like that's it. Yep. Um, I guess the one excitement, if you uh, if you will, is that if uh, I get sick again, as I tend to do, you'll get the unedited version of all my terribleness. All the coughs. <laughs> <laughs> all the coughs, all the sniffles. So yeah, basically, like I know this kind of went a little bit longer than I was anticipating. That was like no, a, but it's it's important. Yeah, it's very important. I think for us, we we want to be fully transparent about this. Like yep. we want you guys to understand. Like hey, even though we're going to the service, this podcast specifically is not going to change in any sort of way. And if it does, you can completely call us out on that. Like, be like yeah, exactly. We want you guys to be happy with the podcast. If you want to support us, that is completely that's cool. We will totally be thankful for that. If you don't want to support us on Patreon, we are completely understanding about that. And as long as you continue to listen to the podcast, we We're are happy. we are totally a-okay with that. We are completely happy with that. Yep. And that's our public service announcement for this month. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, anyways, let's talk about our podcast subject for this week, which oh, buddy, <laughs> it's it's man, it's something. So I guess if you don't know, like um, Al, she focuses on her PhD with the uh, history of video games between the 70s and 80s. Yep. And one of the things she talks about in her dissertation, which I obviously I've read, you guys will read eventually. <laughs> there, there was a weird time for Atari when they were first coming up, and you know before the crash and everything, where basically it was kind of the wild west in terms of like publishing games. And these games in particular are around 82, 83. Which are just a, a minefield of like, oh, wow, how did these get out onto onto the Atari 2600? It's chaos. It's chaos. I mean, it, like you said, it was like the Wild West because anybody could develop whatever they wanted. And, you know, there was no lock on the system. And it, it was pretty much a nightmare in terms of PR for Atari. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, this is before like Nintendo obviously would become the juggernaut that they would, and be like, "Yeah, we are going to have a set of guidelines if you want to publish on our, or you want to even make a game on our system." Nintendo learned from what happened yeah. here. 
Um, because essentially you'll always hear that the crash was because of E.T. And while some of that is true, um, it can't be attributed just to E.T. And it can't be attributed to just Atari as a company. Because honestly, these games that we're about to talk about had a lot to do with it too. Mm-hmm. Because of a giant controversy of like, well, what are video games now? Are they... A kid's toy? Are they gambling? Are they all pornographic? We can't control what our kids are seeing. Um, so it just became, uh, like I said, a PR nightmare. And it was a giant reason for the crash. Uh, again, not the sole reason because you can't attribute it to one single thing. It That's disingenuous. Right. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about Atari porn games. We are the X-rated games of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. The one episode where I will be very like, I will have to very much take a look and be like, do I put the explicit tag on this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on how we describe them. Yeah, it's true. Um, so yeah, it's like these games are very, very weird. They are. Um, I've read several quotes from the guys who were in charge of these. I don't even want to say the developers because that's not necessarily the case. But they had this idea when they were making these X-rated games that they would be party games. That you would go to a party, obviously as an adult, and you would play these games with your friends, get some laughs out of it, and that would be it. The idea that they had was not necessarily for this to be like fat bait. Um, It wasn't supposed to be like a really highly sexualized thing. But you're also marketing at marketing the games as Swedish erotica and, you know, for adults only and that kind of thing, which is accurate. They are for adults only. But, um, you know, it's kind of a mixed message in the sense that, like, are they party games or are they actual pornos? Yeah, it gives basically the, the public like this preconceived notion of, like, oh, you know, anytime you see that sort of like labeling on something like chances are it's going to be like pornographic in some form right um and also it is worth mentioning that most of these companies that were making the x-rated games in 82 83 were actually subsidiary subsidiaries of already existing pornographic film companies so pretty much like you're just linking everything together and it's just it's building this case of like oh these necessarily probably aren't going to be looked at as party games no, I mean, I, I can't ever see them being considered like, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to go hang out with Billy in the street, like, not in the street. I'm going to go hang out <laughs> with Billy down the street. And, you know, we're, we're 21 year old dudes. We're going to have a beer and we're going to play this game and it's going to be fun. Like, I don't really necessarily see that as the case um, of what what was going to happen. But it, these also weren't very popular. So it's kind of hard to gauge. <laughs> Especially just because, like, they're, each game is basically very one note in terms of, like, their gimmick or, like, the gameplay and everything. It's like, oh, it's basically just one stage, and that's essentially it. Like, I don't see how that would translate into, like, oh, this is a party game. Right. And also, um, they're all blatant knockoffs of other more popular games. Yeah, exactly. So I would think even though it's a terrible game, by the way, uh, the Atari Pac-Man game, I think, would be a better party game, per se, because it could be, you know, a group of friends watching this and, you know, switch off the controller. Right. Again, terrible game, but still. 
as opposed to the X-rated uh, equivalent, which is X-Men. And it's like, okay, which one of these is better? And there's um, there's an argument by the the guys who are in charge of the companies that these were made for both men and women. And we'll get into it a little bit more that there were each side had it at a game. What they did is they'd have testing parties, which considering these were porno companies, you know, I'm sure that they, the testing parties were probably, you know, that demographic. Yeah. It's not, you're not getting like, a representation or like feedback from people who like are in games or anything like that no and so they're like well men and women like it and it's like yeah i'm sure men and women in the pornographic industry do think this is funny <laughs> which like <laughs> but, i i think even like saying like oh i bet these they would think these are just like you know comical a lot of them just seem like hey it's a one note joke like you would see it once and like that's pretty much all you need to see of it yeah i mean it, it's for one, it should be clarified that none of these games are actually good or fun. No, they are bad. <laughs> they're so terrible. And they're the gameplay mechanics are such terrible knockoffs of the originals that you're like, oh, God, like Pac-Man's fun to play, but this is not fun to play. Or like, you know, whatever the basis is. I had a fun time when I was a kid playing Breakout on my um, TI-83. But like when I tried to play one of these games, it was supposed to be like Breakout. I'm like, oh. This is terrible. Yeah. Like, it's... They're bad at being clones of, like, you know, the popular games, which is totally not what you want. So they're bad... They're bad games. They're clones that are also bad. And then there's the questionable content of them that makes it... It's a perfect storm of terribleness. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I I do want to mention that before we get into the the depths of the horribleness that is these games. Part of the issue, I know I've already kind of hinted at it, is that like mother groups, like groups of moms who are concerned about the future of their children, and also um, feminist groups uh, were protesting these games and these companies because they felt like it was so problematic. And you get a lot of rhetoric from especially feminists um, of the time, like really, really prominent feminists, like Gloria Steinem was talking about these things. And it's it's a huge, huge deal that there was a lot of pushback for these games that were not very financially viable and were not very popular. I mean, it, it brought a lot more attention to these games than ever they should have deserved. <laughs> yeah, because like, these games are not necessarily going to like be out on your your typical store shelves per se or were they uh no because i went yeah i would think it would be like you know like how today is where if a game if somehow a game gets rated adults only like basically every major chain has basically said like oh where you are we will not sell that in our stores yeah and a lot of game purchasing at the time was like through like mail order right so it, you know, it wasn't really like you go down to your local game store and you buy this game because that's not really how it was. Um, and even then, probably for the, for those games specifically, like you would have to find like, you know, the specific, you know, magazine or something that's going to have like the mail order 
thing to go buy this game. So like you're you're basically taking this from like games as a whole, as like this market, and just shrinking it and shrinking it and shrinking it and shrinking it until you find like this very niche market that's gonna maybe want to buy this thing. And you're just like, obviously these things aren't going to sell well. No. Um, and I have personally seen one in a store, but that's also like a year ago. Yeah. And it's seen more as a novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the boxes for these are huge. I was really surprised. Like, they're really big boxes. What would they fit in there to make them so big? Good question. I almost bought it, but it was expensive. <laughs> that, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like, I legitimately was like, oh, man, this game is in the case. I could ask someone to get it out of the case. I could purchase this. I have money in my account. <laughs> Oh, then I was like, wait a minute, I don't have that much money in my account. <laughs> Not to be buying Atari porn games. Right. Um, but then also, like, I would have had to walk around Manhattan with my Atari porn game <laughs> in a bag. And, you know, that's just not something that I'm willing to to deal with. So I, I took pictures of it and figured that was as close as I would get. Yeah. I guess, as you mentioned, I have an entire chapter that talks about these games, so... I am well acquainted with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in terms of um, some of the the weird um, controversies of development. Um, I don't know a whole lot about development because they weren't really uh, transparent about how that was working. Which, I mean, like, that's kind of... That's, of that's, the time. Yeah, that's of the time. Like, unless you're, like, some of the big Atari games or something like that, or maybe some, like, the big Activision games of the time, like, there's just not a lot of, like, history of development for a bunch of the games of that era. It's hard unless you can get somebody to talk about it afterwards. Right, even, yeah. Like, if it's if it's too far away from the event, then it gets a little muddled quickly. And, like, for some of these games, probably, like, there's going to be, like, pseudonyms involved. So, like, that's going to make it even harder. <laughs> right, exactly. So, it, it gets really complicated. But um, in terms of my personal experience, I have played all of these a few times. As much as my brain can possibly handle. Um, <laughs> because it would be unfair for me to write a chapter on these and not play them because, yeah. you know, there's there's hearsay and what's in these in terms of content and then there's actually trying to play them, which as I've said, they're bad. So it's not exactly the most pleasant experience of trying to get through. <laughs> right, yeah. So I guess the most famous one, which you know about and most people i wouldn't say most people but a lot of people if they know about these porno games the one they know is custer's revenge yeah i feel like that's like the most popular out of out of like this era specifically of you know those types of games yeah like custer's revenge is kind of like people usually know of two x-rated games and it's usually either custer's revenge or any of it i wouldn't consider the second one x-rated but more adult themed like sexually adult themed uh, is leisure suit larry what about bmx triple x um do people <laughs> usually know about bmx triple x i mean i feel like that game was hotly controversial for its time i don't even uh, but i don't know like i i, d- I doubt people are like are, are mentioning it in the same conversation as these games nowadays but but anyways like i you are completely right like custard revenge <laughs> is like is definitely famous or infamous infamous for you know it's like you know it's one of these porn games but also just because like there's pretty much depictions of rape in that game 
Oh, it's not pretty much. It is a depiction of rape. Yeah. And they try to clarify later on um, in materials that it was consensual. But come on. For one, the title is Custer's Revenge. And if you are unaware of what that means, General George Armstrong Custer, who is a terrible human being, by the way. He's dead now, thankfully. <laughs> um, but he was defeated at the Battle of Little Bighorn, and so the idea that it's called Custer's Revenge and that the concept of the game is that you have to get past Native Americans who are shooting arrows at you in order to have sex with a Native woman. Um, there's a reason why it's called Custer's Revenge. Nothing about that is consensual. It's not accidental that they use that wording as the title. Right. Um, it is not consensual. There's no indication that it's consensual. Um, the box can tell you that it is all it wants to. But we know what's happening here. <laughs> I wonder if, like, because I guess I, you may know, I don't. Did they add that 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 line of, like, oh, these, this is consensual in, like, later? Or was that in pretty much from the beginning? So it was later on? Yep. So basically they just did that because it was the backlash. Correct, because um, this game in particular, I've already mentioned that mom groups and feminist groups protested. This one also got protests from Native American groups, Yeah, obviously. Um, so this one kind of got it on three sides. And once they realized, like, oh, hey, this might be seen as problematic, interesting, they're like, oh, we got to... We got to fix this. <laughs> We're not going to take it off shelves or anything. We're just going to, you know, add a single line and be like, oh, yeah, guys, it's better, right? Yeah, it's. <sighs> um, so Custer's Revenge, again, is is extremely problematic um, in terms of content. But the actual gameplay, it, you're playing as supposedly Custer. Um but he's a naked dude in a cowboy hat and a bandana and boots and has this ridiculously long penis for no reason. Like, it's huge. Um, and your goal is to get from left to right to meet with a Native American woman who is so ridiculously proportioned that it looks uncomfortable. And if you get hit by an arrow, you lose your erection completely. Just like real uh, life. Right. And so the objective of the game is to get from left to right to rape the Native American woman. And as you do that, you get points. As I mentioned, very problematic. Can't imagine why people would want to protest this game. Yeah, I can't either. Um, oh, apparently it was forty nine ninety five. in case you need to know the price tag Good on Lord. this. Also, I, I just read this. It says the game's literature stated... If the kids catch you and should ask, tell them the Custer and the Maiden are just dancing. Uh, well, um... I mean, like, to play devil's advocate, you could kind of get away with saying that with the way those graphics looked, but right, even I mean, then, like, that's still very bad. Yeah, it, it's it's really, really bad. <sighs> it's not a good game. And again, this is a really, really famous game, but it's, it only sold about, I think it was 80,000. Which even for that time, like that's still, I think that's a lot of copies. 
It was a lot. For like a niche game, especially. It's the most popular of all of them. And as I mentioned, they have retconned it, so to say, um, that it was consensual, that she was a willing participant. Um, It was not not a good idea. No. Um, And... But that's essentially what launched Mystique, which is the company who made a lot of these games into notoriety. And they continued to make several games until they were bought out. Uh, Again, Mystique was a subsidiary of a porno company. And these were all sold under like an adults-only Swedish erotica banner. Yeah, it was bad. (laughs) Really, really bad. Moral of the story, it was bad. So the one that I almost bought was also a Mystique game, uh, and it's called Beat 'Em and Eat 'Em, mm-hmm. which, as you can tell from the title, uh, is going to be terrible and gross. And so the objective of Beat 'Em and Eat 'Em is that you are a man on a roof of a building, and you are masturbating because that's clearly what people do. And after after you go if you will um you have two women at the bottom that are supposed to catch it and so you have to control them so you have two things that you're doing you have to control the guy then you control the two women to catch it and they have like these horrible graphics where their mouths are like snake jaws and then afterwards if you catch it then you see them like lick their lips it's essentially it's a parody of uh, kaboom it is it's hilarious to look at <laughs> Like, the actual game graphics are really weird. Yeah. Um, You, I can't honestly see any of these being something that people would find sexy. Right, because, like, everything just looks so badly proportioned. And obviously, you know, the graphics of, you know, the 2600 wasn't great by any standard. No. So, like, I don't, yeah, I don't see, like, anything... Like, making anyone be like, oh, man, look at, oh, man, who boy, whoa, buddy, look at those graphics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's weird. And um, the last one that Mystique did was Bachelor Party, which was essentially Breakout. And the concept of that one was that you were supposed to sleep with as many women as possible. And sleeping with the women was demonstrated by you taking this man who is essentially your ball and then hitting all the women on the stage uh again it's breakout um which but, one, which i i obviously played like all of these that we're talking about because yep. had to test them for al when i played when i played bachelor party like that that part didn't get through to me i was just like why what am i doing <laughs> like, <laughs> why am i just what why 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 so yeah Makes more sense now, obviously, but like when I was playing, I was like, "This, this is dumb." Yeah, it's it. I mean, it's kind of a problem with most Atari games, but particularly with these, um, Custer's Revenge makes sense. Although, again, they will argue that it was consensual. It was not. Um, but the the plot lines of these other ones are like suspect at best. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I I don't really understand how like they decided that 
bachelor party was going to be like, oh, hey, if we run this man into several women, that constitutes him sleeping with him for his bachelor party. Like, who comes up with that concept? You gotta use a lot of imagination, obviously. Uh, I mean, I guess so. And uh, I, I have a quote in my dissertation that it was from the uh, from one of the guys who ran Mystique. And his reasoning behind this was that, um, and actually it's, it's an interesting thing that I want to talk about here is he's saying that like adults don't want to play with rocket ships and that's really, really, really similar to the developer for Pac-Man and his reasoning for why he made Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. He, he said almost the exact same thing that he, he didn't want, he didn't think everybody wanted to like shoot aliens and be in space and that kind of thing. It's like, hey, these two have met at the same the same fork in the road, but go the complete opposite direction. <laughs> right. It's just fascinating to me that like one of the most popular games of all time versus these games and it's the same logic. Right. But I think one had a way more like bandwagony financial reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Mystique went under because of all of the controversy surrounding them and play around bought all their stuff and then this is where we get really crazy situation because then they start making like these double-ended atari carts yeah which are super strange and it's basically like you know for bachelor party you get that on one side but then the other side is the female version of a bachelorette party bachelorette party so each game is actually gender swapped i think there might be one that is not but i can't remember if that's the case or not but for the most Um, part yeah but for the most part they're they're gender swapped versions so um one of the most ridiculous and one of my favorites to show people because yes this is my party trick i show people atari porno games (laughs) is night on the town because you're night with a K, uh, looks like a snork. <sighs> and for some reason, like the thingy on top of his head bounces all the time. Uh, he really looks like a snork. Um, also, he's naked, as you. Of course. Um, and the goal of this game is that you're building a bridge to the princess who is waiting with her ginormous boobs out, as you do. And. While you're building this bridge, you have to make sure that your your dongle doesn't get eaten by an alligator or um, like there's some kind of like bat or a dragon. I can't honestly tell what it is. And then there's also this little like he kind of looks like a troll. I'm not sure what he is. He's basically a blob with a mouth um, and he'll just bite you. Um, and I mean, by biting you, I mean, he rips your junk off. Um, so, interestingly enough, if you will, uh, the negative aspect of this game, if you fail, is that you get completely emasculated. Um, but if you win, you get to boink the large-breasted princess. It's kind of, um, I don't know if it's telling that, like, a lot of these games, like, the fail state is, like, your junk gets ripped off. Because it happens it, a lot in these games. It does. It's actually very fascinating. Because um, X Men is the same story that, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about X Men in a bit. But it's 
always kind of the same thing that like your junk gets thrown off and you're like, hmm, okay then. So there's that if you if you want to go on that route. Um, the lady version of this is essentially the same thing. It's called Lady and Waiting. Just the two characters are swapped essentially. Exactly. Another one that I show people is Burning Desire because the plot of this <laughs> is a train wreck. Yeah. Um, so Burning Desire has a bunch of flames everywhere and they're these spear-throwing people. I don't know who they're even supposed to be or why they're there. So there's fire and there's a lady that's on a platform or like and surrounded by the fire. And your character that you play is a man who is dangled from a helicopter with his junk out and somehow through magic, I suppose, <laughs> um, you are supposed to ejaculate and hit the fire and get that out, um, which, okay. And eventually, if you can get close enough to her, then she can grab onto your junk and you can pull her out. Which, I don't have that equipment, but I can't imagine it would be comfortable to do that. No, that doesn't um, sound fun. Use your hands. <laughs> grab her hands. Yeah, you have hands there. Because <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's a, a valid rescue attempt. Or, you know, to, to dangle out of a helicopter naked. <laughs> naked. And, like, I don't think anybody in the world has that much ejaculate to get rid of the fire. <laughs> I I could be wrong. I don't want to be proven wrong, to be honest. Or is able like, to, like, do it, like, in that quick of, like... In that rapid fire? Yeah, that yeah. rapid fire. Um, The lady one makes a little bit more sense. Somewhat, but even still, it's it's questionable because she lactates to get the fire out. But it's still, you know, dangling from a helicopter and all of this. Right. It's just, who thought of this? What was going through your mind that you're like, you know what I think's a good game? Let's dangle this dude with his junk out around fire and spear chucking dudes. Who thought this would appeal to anyone? I think is the that's, real question. That's a really good question. <laughs> That's a because essentially, yeah. like you're 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 buying these double cards, but we literally just described the entire game in like two minutes. Cause, yeah, because that's all you do. It is, and it's really hard for one. <laughs> hard, uh, and two, it's it's not fun to play. It's very bad. You repeatedly do the same action, and it's difficult, and you don't really get any kind of satisfying reward out of it it was like we were talking about how you know you said these were originally supposed to be seen as party games like you play this once you show everyone once like and they've they've pretty much got the entire gist of the game like you're not gonna be like having people over repeatedly being like hey let's fire up some burning desire again guys come on they're gonna be like yeah we we saw everything there to see that we don't need to see it again yeah no it, it's it's a one time and done kind of game um which is the case for basically all of these games essentially it's it really is i mean they're not fun they're not something that you can go back to unless you're like i don't know me and joke around with it but um 
you know, I, I do this for my research, uh, which sounds pretentious, but it is true. Like, that's why I play these is because I'm literally writing a dissertation chapter on these. Um, but I would not want to play these ever again if I had a choice. No. Um, they're not good games and they're really, really boring. Yeah. Um, there's also, I, I actually didn't play Jiggle that much. Did you, did you go through it any? I think I did. I don't remember anything about it though, honestly. Yeah, it's, the whole idea, I mean, because obviously that's, Cat House Blues Gigolo is, you know what you're getting into here. Uh, your goal is to sleep with um, several women, and I forget exactly like the gameplay on this. And there's also a mechanic where somebody can steal all your money if you choose the wrong one. Uh, and if if you're playing the the lady side of it, obviously you're a prostitute as opposed to a gigolo. But again, super boring, super boring. And nothing about these looks good. Nothing about them plays good. And yet people would spend upwards of $50 for these things. Like, good lord. Yeah, I just can't understand that logic. And, you know, I, I know there's a sense of novelty behind them, but... And probably, like, you know, like, these are the first of their kind, so people are curious in that aspect. And, I mean, eventually you do get... I, I don't want to say, like, spiritual sequels, because that's not the right word, but... um. You get things like real companies, like Sierra, mm -hmm. who ended up making some pretty good games. They made a game that was called Soft Porn Adventure. And Soft Porn Adventure was essentially like a text-based game where you ran around and tried to sleep with as many people without getting STDs or killed. Which automatically is like, even from that premise, is more gameplay than any of these Oh give yeah. You. I mean, the fact that it's text-based probably helps a lot because text-based games in the 80s were quite vivid, actually, because right. you're, you're having to create your own story behind it, essentially. The genesis um, of the adventure genre in video games, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you have a little bit more detail in there. And um, Softborn Adventure is problematic in its own way since the advertisement for it in the box art has... I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Williams is her last name. Anyway, she's one of the primary developers for Sierra at the time. She's also the co-owner, Roberta. Um, she's also right, yeah. the co-owner of Sierra with her husband, Ken. So it's Ken and Roberta Williams. And the box art slash advertisement for Softborn Adventure had Roberta in a hot tub topless. So it's like, you have like a really important developer slash writer slash artist in your company. And you're like, well, let's just put her in this thing naked. So it's problematic in its own way, but, um, which I mean, like even like that sort of advertising was just how game companies were showing their games off to people. I mean, like you, you talk about this, obviously, you know, about these sorts of things, like the way some of Atari's advertisements was very, you know, sexist and misogynistic and, and those types of ways. Yeah. Um, one difference, though, is that a lot of the, the really, really sexist ones from the Atari coin-op division were vetoed at the end. Mm -hmm. So they never actually went out. Some of them did, but 
the really, really bad ones were vetoed, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. But still the fact that they were filmed and put out there and the ideas, it's it's really, really problematic. But they're not as blatantly offensive as these games. They're still not great. But these games are just like... They're not good. They're not pretending to be good. They're a cash grab with sex. Yeah. I, I Speaking of cash grab, um, I, I do want to talk about X-Men because it's actually my favorite of all the porno games. <laughs> um, not because it's a good game. Let me... Because it's not. It's not. Um, worth mentioning, X-Men was developed by a man named H.K. Poon. <laughs> God. I cannot find out if that is his real name. I cannot find out any information about H.K. Poon, but his name is H.K. Poon. That's how he's credited, and that's hilarious. What a name. Yeah. Um. So, X-Man has two elements of gameplay. And first off, the box art is insane. Um, it's got like this Farrah Fawcett busty lady and like garter belt. And then it has this guy in the background and he's just like holding his junk and he's so excited and there's teeth and scissors and crabs around him. It's very weird. And it, it, it is. Um, so the gameplay of X-Men is essentially like a Pac-Man style. You have like a labyrinth that you're having to get through, but you have to get through without hitting, again, um, teeth, a little like fake teeth, um, scissors, and crabs. Because they'll cut your junk off. They will cut your junk off. Although I wonder if the crabs are indicative of something else, but still, they will cut your junk off in this game. Um, It's weird. But it gets weirder which is not something you would ever think you could say when you're talking about a game where you go into a labyrinth and there are teeth, scissors, and crabs trying to <laughs> rip your junk off. But guess what? X-Men does it. Because when you get to the center of the labyrinth, you then get a rhythm mini game. Did you get to play this? I don't think I did. Okay. Um, so if you get to the center... You end up with a very strangely colored lady. She, usually she's like purple. And what you're supposed to do is hit the buttons. <laughs> you're supposed to hit the buttons and the, the joystick in time. And you're essentially keeping a rhythm of intercourse. And the goal is to bring both you and her to orgasm. One of the quotes that I remember from um, the development of X-Men was one of the test parties for it. Essentially, that was the women's favorite part because they're like, oh, yeah, finally I can make sure that I get an orgasm. Um, Which was like, wow, okay. But also telling that that was their favorite part was not the labyrinth part, but the rhythm game part. Yeah. But um, it's actually extremely hard to get the rhythm down. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever actually done it. It's fascinating how like this game in particular like has essentially way more gameplay elements to it than compared to any of the other ones, but also like <laughs> Is it possible this is the first like one of the first iterations of like a rhythm game? 
it, I've wondered that um, because it's weird. This one is actually the most innovative of all of them. And it's still terrible, but it's innovative. But I, I really have wondered that because this was released in 83. Yeah. And I really can't think of a game before that that you have to hit a specific rhythm with a control in order to make something good happen in the game. If it's not the first, it's one of the first. Yeah, which that's that's the craziest part about it. <laughs> oh, it is. Because you're sitting there like, oh, God, these rhythm games that I really enjoy. <laughs> they have this genesis from this. From Maybe, X- yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it might not be a like direct tie, but it's it's interesting that this is um, an early instance of that that kind of gameplay. <sighs> I know that this game in particular actually did have more advertising than most, mm-hmm. and I know that Playboy didn't really advertise these that much. But now I know that Hustler did, which is worth knowing. So I, I don't mean to sidetrack you there, but I looked up Rhythm Game on Wikipedia, and mm-hmm. they're basically like, uh, well, they basically trace it back to Simon. Really? Simon? Which I don't, I don't necessarily think that's true, or I, so, I wouldn't necessarily classify Simon as like a, a rhythm game. Rhythm. No. But they're basically- But they're cutting Ralph Byer for it. Then. Yeah. And then, like the, the next thing they talk about is a uh, is a game on the NES that uses the power pad called Dance Aerobics. And then after that, they're like, they say Proper the Rapper was the first rhythm game. So wow. literally, X Man could legitimately be the very first rhythm game. Wow, that is a realization I don't think I needed today. <laughs> God, God. Um, well, and. I, I task you now with uh, going back and trying to play this game and seeing if you can get to that rhythm section because it's it's extremely difficult. Um, I don't know but, what to think anymore. I know. My world has been turned on its head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't even know what to say. <laughs> Shocking revelations today. I know. I know. So I guess... As I've mentioned before, these were a huge reason for the the crash in 82 and 83. Despite what people will tell you, it is not just E.T. I know I've mentioned that, but I want to keep mentioning it because it's really, really unfair. People people essentially, like, you know, they credit E.T. because, like, oh, it was mass-produced and it didn't sell well. But, it, but there are so many factors leading up to E.T. specifically, even just the creation of that game, that lead also to the crash itself. Yep. That people just don't realize. It's like, oh, it's E.T. They got to bury them all in the landfill, so that's why the crash happens. Like, no. You let pretty much everyone publish games for that thing. You oversaturated the market. And then you also tried to cash in on this movie that was very popular at the time and make a game in, like, two months, essentially. Less than. Yeah. And basically paid a lot for the license. Paid a lot for the license and threw out a lot of copies and everyone was like, Hey E. T. that's cool. I like that movie. Oh, this game's real bad. Nope, nope. Let's return all these games. Yep. And the same thing happened with Pac Man. Um the Pac Man Atari game was a really poor version of Pac Man. Yeah. And so it was returned a lot. And um if you feel inclined you could go watch the atari game over documentary and you'll see that the landfill is not just et 
Yeah, it's a lot of like various Atari products. It hit Atari hard, and mm. it wasn't just because of ET. It was literally everything they had had to go somewhere because nobody was buying it. It was literally cheaper for them to put it in a landfill than to try and sell it. And even though, like, I know a lot of people say ET's the worst video game ever made, which clearly they're wrong because they haven't played this porn game. They haven't played these <laughs> games. But, like, the fact that that game even came out and the amount of time that it was made and it was actually in a playable state is it's impressive it's impressive and like it's so crazy and phenomenal that like that game even works because it totally well, shouldn't <laughs> and it's developed by a guy who is actually like a legitimate developer i think he did yars is that yeah he, he was like one of the guys at atari at the time like one of like the um, top developers so it, it's you know it's whatever but there's a lot of stuff that led to the crash, and now you know that these are part of that. <laughs> yep, and now you know the history of rhythm games. Oh my god, I hate everything. <laughs> god, I, I... Yeah, yeah. Yep. More of the story, everything comes from porn. I mean, it's not too inaccurate. I mean, porn does kind of help drive technology. Yeah. Um... Beta will tell you that. HD DVD will tell you that. HDTV, HDTV. HDTV, <laughs> yep. HD DVD will also tell you that. Mm -hmm. That the porn industry is a big industry, and where they throw their money is significant. Yeah, it's where um, like so formats will go. Yeah, there is a lot of innovation that comes from the industry, but I don't think these instances are typically that. Uh, except for maybe X-Men, which we have now had this horrible revelation on. Yeah, because like, none of these games really like led to like, oh, a big monumental shift in the industry to like create a bunch of porn games. It was like, they the happened... The exact opposite. Yeah, they happened in this era for a little bit, and then they've basically kind of been sprinkled here and there throughout you know the rest of the history of video games. Like obviously, I feel like they're more prominent. BMX XX. BMX Triple X. Yeah, yeah, that's a train wreck. I feel like it's kind of become more prominent nowadays. In like you know the last five years per se, you see a lot more you know like adult oriented games, not necessarily pornographic in that nature, but it's certainly becoming more and more common. I think, especially more at least probably towards like PC games specifically. Like you're not really seeing as much on consoles because those are still pretty stingent about what they let on and don't let on let into their ecosystems but i feel like there's a there's a good number of you know games on steam or you know places you can find other pc releases where you'll find you know adult oriented games nowadays oh yeah um i was actually browsing uh the visual novel realm i suppose if you will of steam the other day because um, I revealed to my brother that I'm a big fan of Atome games. <laughs> and so we were we were browsing after we found out that you could date tanks. And we found some crazy things. I'm like, this makes sense. And I feel like it's the same kind of... I don't want to say the kind of, same kind of monster, really, because they're at least visually more appealing. But it's the same kind of deal, that they're, they're very niche, that they're not... For mainstream people who play video games and it's always going to be controversial no matter what yeah i mean like if you if you look at say like twitch and the guidelines they have for like what games you'll want to stream 
there's a good amount of like games on their band list that are like adult oriented. Yeah. And I remember it being um, a pretty big news bit um, around like the release of Mass Effect that like Rayplay was suddenly on everybody's radar. <laughs> or, you know, when uh, when people hacked GTA San Andreas and found the, the part where you could have sex in that game and yep. people freaked out making where Rockstar had to recall that game and put out new versions where that was that part of the game, even though it was never meant to be in the game itself, it was basically found by people looking at the code and everything. Like they just completely had to scrub all that, all that code out of it and re-release the game. Yeah, man, that was fun when I worked at a uh, GameStop because we had to make sure that whenever we took that game in, it was a certain version of it. Cause they recatter, they re, they re uh, rated it like the, yep. the original versions now adults only. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's obviously something that's continued. It's just a different beast than it was at that time. And yeah. it's, it, it was kind of, as we mentioned, the Wild West, in a sense, where everything now is more regulated and there's a more difficult barrier to get by in terms of releasing them. Mm-hmm. Whereas these were just like, okay, here's a mail order, have fun. Or you can get them, like, behind the counter. Ooh. Hey, buddy, you gotta come under the counter for this one. Oh, my God. If Secret somebody... release. Ugh. <laughs> um, come behind the curtain for this game. So they didn't go away. They just became different. Yeah, I feel like they kind of... They, they were... Like we said, they are probably a little bit more underground for a while, but... You know... Traders nowadays, I think, are handle, handling them with more brevity than they were in the early 80s, let's say. <laughs> Yes. Um, and while you do every once in a while get the outrage at San Andreas and Rayplay and that kind of thing, and even Mass Effect, which like Mass Effect had a butt in it. How um, dare they? How dare you have a butt? I remember like the joke is like Mass Erect instead of Mass Effect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with this. But you do sometimes get like controversy in mainstream media um, through these games but not nearly to the extent of the types of protests you were getting with these games and you were getting people that were arguing that this was a way that children and also just regular people were becoming desensitized to rape Mm -hmm. um and and you don't see that as much with like grand theft auto you just see like oh no my poor innocent little tommy who is 10 years old who shouldn't be playing grand theft auto in the first place but i don't care so i'm going to let him play anyways (laughs) he might somehow find the way to hack into this code and see a sex scene he's gonna press all these buttons and oh no sex right because little tommy's an idiot apparently but um he comes from his mother and his father, who are both idiots and letting him play Grand Theft Auto. Man, when get he dunked gets. on, little Tommy. I know. Little Tommy's the worst. <laughs> um, you you will not believe how many little Tommies I dealt with. When oh, it came yeah. To- <laughs> um, I, I have an irrational, or very rational, if you will, hatred for um, those kinds of parents. Yeah, I feel you. But it, it didn't have the same national attention. Um you know, New York Times is writing articles about the protests about Custer's revenge, mm-hmm. and I mean that's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. So, 
there's there's a legacy there, but it's it's also a pretty largely forgotten legacy. Yeah, and it's uh, just it's just a fascinating I think, story as well. Just like just how that is that's involved with you know the the genesis of the history of video games essentially yeah i mean it in my opinion as somebody who writes about this it's something that cannot be separated from the whole story of the beginning of the video game industry yeah and that in and of itself is amazing that you can't separate the formation of the industry as a whole and also its downfall essentially with porno games yeah yeah it's not something you'd expect <laughs> no so you know that that's mainly why we decided that this was an interesting topic for us to discuss is i mean it's a huge huge part of early video gaming and what the industry was and most people don't really know about them mm-hmm. and even if they do it's like they know Custer's revenge and that's basically it Right, like I think when we first started hanging out or talking or whatever you want to consider it, um, you probably knew about Custer's Revenge, but I don't think you knew about the rest of these, did you? Uh, I knew about Beat 'em and Eat 'em, mm-hmm. but I think outside of those two, I didn't really know any of the rest of them. And now you've had to play them because I'm yep. a terrible <laughs> I'm like, oh god, these are bad games. Mm-hmm. I remember getting text messages from you. It was just like, these suck. <laughs> I'm like, yep, welcome to my life. <laughs> This is what comes with our friendship. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to say about these or should we just wrap up? No, I have got nothing else. Well, this has been a fun, informative podcast where. <laughs> yeah, we're mostly adults. We're mostly adults, an adult subject. And, you know, I bet a lot of you out there have learned some new things about video games. I history. know that we have, and I'm going to yeah. have to go rethink my life. Yeah. Anyways, for more information from us, you can go to seasonalimatcheckup.com or sac.cool for past episodes of this very podcast, uh, columns, all that sort of stuff. Uh, my Persona 2 pod- or column should be up by this point because nice. I was going to do it last weekend, but just got real busy with other stuff. But I should be able to do it uh, sometime this week and have that up by the time this episode goes up. Uh... Like I said, like we talked about in the earlier part of the show, uh, patreon.com slash SACOVA is where you can support us if you'd like. Uh, we're also on Twitter, twitter.com slash anime checkup. It's a good place to get a hold of us and chat with us about whatever you want to chat with us about. Also, Anladium is on the internet as well at anladium.com. You can go there and read all her columns and reviews and all that fun stuff. Uh, next week... We have an idea, but it just depends on stuff. It depends on stuff. Yeah. I still go back to school next week, so that's going to be a... That shouldn't that shouldn't hamper any, like, recording or anything like that. It's just stress and anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm getting ready to, to go back and teach my own class, so that's going to be fun. Yay! <laughs> Hopefully my students uh, see this and they're like, huh, my professor is doing this podcast on this. That's <laughs> fascinating. That's that's your introduction to them. I know, I know. What a what a weird professor I'm gonna be. <laughs> the best professor, let's be real. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, uh tune in next week. Uh we will be back with more fun stuff and maybe you will learn a new thing about the history of video games. Maybe. <laughs>